Welcome to our latest In The Know podcast, where today we will be talking about the due diligence that solicitors should be undertaking when making referrals to independent financial advisors on behalf of clients. My name is Neil Clark. I'm a director at Lucas Fettis Financial Planning, and today I'm joined by Dave Seeger of Seaford Professional. Welcome, Dave. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for, for agreeing to, to join us today. Um, Dave, I've worked alongside solicitors for years and years and years. So the idea of referring clients to a financial advisor isn't new. But I do know that the regulatory requirements on solicitors have changed. Um, in what way has that changed? Yeah, I mean, there's, as you say, it's, uh, it's you know, CIFA and CIFA Professional have been working in this field for 27 years. So certainly not new, but uh, there was some positive changes at the back end of 2019. Uh, which was a culmination of three or four years worth of, uh, of reforms leading up to the launch of the new standards and regulations uh, by the Solicitors Regulation Authority, the regulator of the solicitor fraternity. And th- it gave a lot more guidance. I mean, not specifically on referrals, although that is part of it, but more the way that firms of solicitors should work uh, when it comes to all things they do within their practice and obviously referring to third parties is just one thing they do but there's there's two things that really you need to bear into bear in mind that they shortened the the, the book if you like the regulatory uh, framework quite considerably and simplified it and said in in the process of doing it everything that was unnecessary has been taken out of the rules and everything that's necessary has been left in so that's quite a strong statement so you've got 120 pages seven core principles and for the most significant thing is for the very first time we have, as well as an individual solicitor code of conduct, we have a firm code of conduct. So the thing that's positive for referrals is they still have to uh, make referrals based on what's in the best interest of the client, because that is one of the seven principles. And we can certainly talk a lot today about what is in the best interest of the client, what isn't. Mm. But secondarily, they, they launched this firm code of conduct. So what they want is the management of the firm and particularly the compliance officer actually to to frame a system or a procedure and guidance around how the individuals in the firm should work. So it's no longer should be just the the onus to be on each individual solicitor to make their own decisions. What what the regulator wants is is to be a recognised process for third party referral. So that's the that's the real positive thing that came out last year. Okay, I think one of the one of the points I'd like to explore a little bit more there is this thing about best interests of the client. Um, mm. And if I can perhaps set a scene a bit for for years and years, I've always felt that delivering the best outcome to the client involves the synergy that can be created by working with fellow professionals. And I've always thought that sometimes that that's missing. Um, how do you feel about that? I, I feel very strongly about it, and, uh, and I'm well known for a particular quote that, uh, that I used. In fact, it was used in some octopus research that was published yesterday, uh, which is that clients don't think in silos, so we shouldn't be offering them solutions in silos. And I think that's even more pertinent you know, in, in 2020 than perhaps it was 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, life's more complicated, um, and, and clients think about sets of problems. And in that set of problems, there might well be, as you say, financial uh, need need for advice and, and, and legal advice, maybe even some tax advice. The client doesn't think I want to go and see three different people on three separate occasions. The client just thinks I have a set of problems I need solving. So I think you're absolutely right, Neil. I think the the, the importance of, of professionals working in collaboration for the benefit of the client is is never been more important than it is now. Do you think, Dave, that, that 
the solicitors in general understand what the new generation of financial planners are doing in terms of this best interest of the client? Um, I think I think we are dealing with a with a with a legacy of what we used to be like as a profession. And I can't blame solicitors for looking at what we were 15 years ago and thinking, crikey, they're not as professional as us. They're very commission hungry. All the things that we uh, have long since done away with. You know, we are more qualified. We are doing more qualifications. Uh, we had to. Uh, we are working purely on a fee basis. And I think most solicitors are aware of this. Um, but I, I don't think there's any harm in reminding them, you know, how qualified we are. But I still think we had to frame that against you know, seven years, you know, you know, seven years to qualify to be a solicitor. So that they, they, it's understandable that they perhaps don't think of financial planners at quite the same level yet. But I think there's still work for us to be done to convince them that we are. Um, but I think one thing that is interesting, and I think the thing that people forget is, if we forget the professionalism uh, in the qualification sense, I think the professional way in which we deal with clients as, as a financial planning profession, I think we're very fortunate that we are dealing with the client by setting um, perhaps lifetimes of goals. So we're working on a financial yeah. plan over a long period of time, and we will be seeing that client on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. we're not driven by commission anymore. So we're happy to do that. That's the way we now work. And interestingly, it's the complete opposite to the way solicitors work. And it isn't their fault that they're transactional because legal processes are what they are. But mm -hmm. they're always looking for a new bit of business where we've always got the ongoing relationship with the client. And I think that's the thing that we can really, really help solicitors with by giving them that that client they refer to us. We've got that hook. Oh, by the way, you now need your will. Oh, by the way, you now need a lasting power of attorney, so you should go back to the solicitor that referred you, you know, you to us in the first place. So we can help them build that client relationship, and I think that's important. Uh, it's interesting. I, I had a recent conversation with a solicitor where I was talking about what they asked a client who came to them about um, writing a will, and I and I raised the, the the question with this this particular solicitor. I said, well. Do you actually ask them about the beneficiaries and their circumstances, and do you talk to talk to the beneficiaries at all? And and they said no, they didn't. Hadn't really occurred to them. What, what to my to my mind that strikes me as a as a logical thing to be thinking of doing and a way to move on to the next generation. Yeah, I think I think some of that is, I mean, some of that is just pure professionalism, but also I think it's born out of. Um, the way that our regulation in financial services has evolved in that know your client has become second nature to us. Um, but I don't think perhaps 20 years ago it was, you know, we might have dealt with a fact finder, dealt with a matter at hand or something that someone approached us about or the thing that we were perhaps trying to sell in the bad old days. Yeah, um, but we are we are we are a, a much more professional industry and it is very much about know your client. And again, as you say correctly, let's find out about your circumstances. And that may well be and probably should be beyond their individual you know, that individual client or that individual husband and wife or, or partners uh, it may well extend to the children. And certainly when you're dealing with um, a certain age of clients, it might it might it might deal with children and grandchildren. So I yeah. think, think that's become more second nature to us. And I think but I think you're right. Um, I think it um, it needs to be more so as solicitors. And I think that's probably why, you know, you can't turn the corner at the moment without seeing there's an online conference or a virtual conference about you know next generation or passing on the generational wealth because there is this huge amount of wealth 
um, that is going to be passed on in the next sort of you know next few years. And it really does need solicitors and financial planners working hand in hand to make sure that that's done in the best way possible, both legally and tax efficiently and financially. Yeah, there, there is that all-encompassing word synergy again there, Dave. I think that um, yeah. you know we do need. There, there's a lot that both professions, both the legal profession and also the financial planning profession, can do to to help each other, ultimately to the benefit of of, of the of the client. I think the other and, thing, Neil, sorry to interject. The other yeah, thing you added there, of course, is pensions freedom, because. Yes. You can no longer sort of really separate pensions from estate planning, from IHT planning because of pensions freedom and because of the way that's evolved with the billion pound being free of IHT and your pension fund. You, you can't look at these things in isolation anymore. Um, so a solicitor can't just you can't really consider a client's situation without knowing about their pension. So they really need to involve um, the financial planner. So and I think I think that's a massive positive as well. It's, it, it's, it was a legislation that took us all by surprise. But I think there's been a lot of positives, you know, for that collaboration that came out of pensions freedom. Yeah. OK. So so if you were, if you were talking to a, a solicitor at the moment, Dave, and you were advising them about what sort of processes they should be putting in place to identify financial planning firms they should be dealing with, um, what to look for, what would you suggest to them? Well, I think I do think you have to obviously respect that we all as individuals have different things that are important to us. And, and obviously, as a firm of solicitors, you know, to be corralled by the compliance officer for legal practice, they are going to have to take into account existing relationships, existing solicitors who have strong partnerships with, with existing financial planners, and they have to be bringing all that into a process. Um, but I think like anything, if you're going to look at um, some sort of due diligence exercise, which I firmly think they should be doing, you need to decide, as you say, what's important to you. And I think certain things w will jump out um, mm. and they may not always be the, the same things, but certainly, um, you know, advanced qualifications and, and you know, professionalism. I think charters of service, you know, how quickly do, we, do you as a financial planning firm turn things around? I think the experience of individuals and different specialisms, because we have to we have to understand that solicitors specialise in individual areas of law, so they mm. find it very difficult to comprehend or believe that a financial planner is an expert in every area of financial planning. So we need to get that across. I think the in, you, you referred to independent financial advisors at the outset, mm -hmm. and I've always I've always firmly believed in that. But I think impartial is probably a better word today. I mean, I do I, I certainly can't see personally how referring to a, a heavily restricted financial planner can be in the client's best interest. I mean, let's get that straight on the table now. But there are, you know, restricted whole of market financial planning firms that deal with a huge range of, of products and solutions and funds that I do think, you know, possibly could be. So I don't think we can anymore because the, the, the prohibition of referring to other than independence disappeared in 2012. So we're eight years on from that. So I think we have to acknowledge that that, that, that solicitors will refer to other than independence. So yeah. I think that's important, the impartiality of the process. I think uh, making it very clear um, when you're talking to solicitors what your fee process is, because obviously you want to understand theirs, how they charge yeah. clients. They should understand how you charge clients for different types of advice, different types of financial planning, because they don't want any surprises when they refer a client to you. Mm -hmm. I think most important of all, however, and the thing that some financial planners might forget, is it's all very well saying this is my investment process. Uh, what funds we buy, which DFMs we use. Actually, I don't think the solicitor's interested in that. I think the thing that the solicitor's interested in, in your investment process and your financial planning process, is the regularity in which you see the client. Mm. 
And I think you need to make very clear to the, to the solicitors you're working with that you do have this ongoing relationship, but also it's a constant fact-finding situation. So you are going to be picking up on new occasions when they need to be referred back to the solicitor. And not only yep. that, you, you have this ready-made reason all the time to be seeing the client. Whereas solicitors can't say, well, I did a great divorce for you last year. Can I do you another one? You know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy for solicitors. Or did the probate for your mum, by the way? How is your dad? Um, but yeah. they, they don't have this ready-made reason. And that, that's not a criticism. That's just the nature of the law. Um, mm. So I think the fact that you do have that should very much be what you're putting across to a solicitor. Because I think that's important. And I think the other thing that people underestimate is local reputation, long-standing local reputation. Because people... Uh, people like to deal with people that are local to them and solicitors like to deal with financial planners that are local to them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so uh, these are all things I think are important. But um, again, the, the key thing is you're a safe pair of hands because the other thing that financial planners forget and they probably criticise solicitors for it and they probably shouldn't. Solicitors by definition have to be cautious. You know, you're dealing with the law. Yeah. You have to be exact. You have to be mm -hmm. risk averse. You have to get it right. So, you know, if you have to really present yourself as a very, very, very good safe pair of hands. And the question they're always going to be asking is, if I make the referral to Neil Clark at Lucas Fettis, will it reflect well on me? And if yes. it will, then we're on to a winner, aren't we? Yes. Yes, we are very much so. What, what it seems is coming across quite strongly to me, David, is that there's a, there, I'm going to use one a simple word, I suppose, but transparency. Would, would you, is that that's something that you would agree that you're, you're talking about? lawyers need to be transparent in in um what they're doing and we as financial planners need to be transparent in what we're doing and to then to, to be honest with you, to be honest, i think you're leading on to another podcast that we can do together <laughs> it's, it's a whole it's a whole subject matter transparency is the big issue for the solicitors regulation authority there are rules around transparency and solicitors have to present their services in a certain way so it's massively important but rather than go into detail on that today yeah what i would say is and i think you make a very important point and it's it's almost like i'm, I'm evangelistic about this i call it you know what i what i refer to as a google society we live in a society where if i don't have a relationship with a financial planner or a solicitor and i find myself in need of legal or financial advice my first port of call is google that's mm -hmm. the reality whether i'm buying a television or a will or a pension or a car i, I go to google if I don't have the relationship with a garage or with a financial planner or with a solicitor or with a, you know, whatever it may be. So that's what I do. And automatically, coming back to the local thing, if you Google, it will it will automatically Google in your local area for a start. I think most most people, they ask the question, you know, what's your postcode? And yeah. it'll tell you local solicitors, local financial planners. So if that's the case, and particularly living in, in this virtual world right now with the pandemic and the second lockdown, this research piece is so important. So how transparent you are and how clear you are on your website, whether you're a financial planner or solicitor, is absolutely critical at the moment. Because if that is if that is your shop window and as a client or a potential client, I should say, that's where I'm looking, how attractive I look, how clear I am, how much plain language I use instead of jargon, how many good testimonials I've got, the fact that I can see the staff on your website and what their hobbies and interests are and qualifications, all these things are absolutely essential. And, and so many solicitors are paying lip service to the rules on transparency and, not, and entirely missing the point that this is about differentiating yourself. And the final point I'd make on that is if you if you believe what I believe and we are in a Google society and you believe what you believe, Neil, is that the synergy between legal and financial is critical to clients. Then if you're a solicitor, why not say 
on your website where it's relevant that you work with carefully selected third parties when it's in the client's best interest i would yeah i, I would agree with you i think i think that would be a very strong um uh, what's the word i'm looking for um recommendation i suppose is to, or differentiator to for, for a solicitor's firm so when the solicitor's looking for um a suitable financial planning and organization to work with uh, what sort of due diligence should they be looking for well i think as I, I mean we discussed all these things so the, the qualifications mm. of the financial planner the local reputation the clean regulatory record uh, what their fee processes are you know what their charging rates are um, how independent or impartial they are all these things are important um, and i think they should all be looked at from a financial planning perspective um, looking to work with solicitors they are busy people. This is a new process that they have to undertake. I would try and help them with it. You know, I would be looking, if I was Lucas Fettis, I would be looking to produce what I believe is important and present that to the solicitor saying, these are all the reasons uh, why we think we are a safe pair of hands for your referrals. You know, are you happy with that? And, and, and use that as a starting point for the conversation rather than leave the onus on them. I think we're one step ahead of you there, Dave, because we actually do have a due diligence document which was designed to to achieve exactly that to Brilliant. provide fellow professionals with information that they need to be able to select a suitable financial planning firm before we go is there any last comments or recommendations you'd like to raise about the conversation i feel like i feel like i feel like i've spoken too much but what i would say one last thing i should say one of the other principles that the new standards and regulations is governed by is is independence and it, it, it doesn't refer to independent financial advisors it refers to for solicitors acting with independence and what the sri the sri have said to me is because of that they wouldn't expect a firm of solicitors to be constantly referring to the same financial planning third party um, because they might question whether they were acting with independence so i think what you need to prepare yourself for and understand is that lucas fetish should be part of a, a preferred list or a short panel um, that a solicitors might be using so that they would want to know um, you know that they've got three or four maybe five good firms of financial planners in certain key areas that they can use and that also enables them to take into account long-standing existing relationships that are with firms that are of great of great repute and shouldn't be changed um, so and, I think that's and, and as always shouldn't shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket and no. keeps every, keeps everybody on their toes so um yeah. very sound advice so thank you very much for that for that dave um thanks for your time very much appreciate it I hope that uh, our audience have enjoyed this conversation between Dave and I this morning and um, take care.